First Corinthians, please, the sixth chapter. Now, I would like for you to be believing with me about what we just prayed on that prayer. Because I've got like three or four messages right here. I got both barrels loaded. But we probably we probably only got time for one barrel, so <laughs> that's one great thing about having our own church though, right? We can come back the Lord tarries is coming, we can come back next week too. So we're we're thankful for that. In First Corinthians the sixth chapter, we've been on a a topic now for a while on Sunday mornings that we're calling the temple of the Holy Spirit. The temple of the Holy Spirit. In First Timothy, excuse me, First Corinthians 6, 9, he said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, uh, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now we'll see later on that he's talking about the value and importance of your body. And that what you do with the, your body matters. And it matters to God. And uh, these things, so many of them that he just mentioned, are things you do with your body. Like being a drunkard, right? Or adulterer, fornicator. These are things that involve your body. So he said, uh, uh, verse 11, and such were some of you. He's, he's writing to the, uh, he, he started out this letter to, to the saints at Corinth. But uh, the saints hadn't always been saints. And a couple of things here. You don't want to act like you never sinned. And you never made mistakes. And when you're seeing people that are doing things, and you see many times Christian acting like, you know, they get so indignant about it and so holier than thou. And they did the same thing 20, 30 years ago. Right? Yeah, or less. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want to act like a hypocrite, right? right? And if God forgive you and cleans you, he forgive them too, Amen. cleanse them. And uh, he says, such were some of you. you, some of you were effeminate, were abusers of yourself with mankind, were adulterers, fornicators, drunkards, drug addicts. Liars, thieves, but, don't you like that part right there, but you've been sanctified and you've been justified, hallelujah, washed and sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's not just what you did, it's what you do last. It's not just how you start out, it's how you end up. That's true concerning life itself, your whole life. You were, such were some of you, but, but you're washed now, you're sanctified now, you're justified now, you are in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Keep reading. All things, he says, are lawful to me. Now, if you read other translations, they have this in italics. As a quote, that he's quoting them. If you look at the whole letter, you'll find that the uh, the the people at the church at Corinth had asked Paul several questions about what to do and what not to do, and what was right and what wasn't right. And this is one of them. And this is a phrase that they were saying. Now, let me, let me read this to you from other translations. This says, all things are lawful for me. And he says, well, all things are not expedient. 
They say, well, all things are lawful for me. He says, yeah, but I won't be brought under the power of any. Listen to Weymouth's translation. Everything is allowable to me. He said, but not everything's profitable. Everything is allowable to me. He said, but to nothing will I become a slave. That's a good confession. Said out loud, to nothing will I become a slave. Now, the NIV says it like this. I have the right to do anything, you say. But not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything. See, now apparently this was a a mantra at the church at Corinth. This was a doctrine that they went all in on. What? All things are permissible. He said, but I will not be mastered by anything. I'm allowed to do anything. Everything is permissible to me, is what he's saying. Now, now keep reading uh, the next verse. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food. That was another saying they had. Well, what are they saying? Well, the, the body was made for eating. And food, food was made to be eaten. And the body was made to eat it. So eat up. <laughs> and um, God will destroy them both. Actually, the word is destroy is uh, render useless. Or there's coming a time when it's not going to work like that. The body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now, it would help us to get a little bit of history on Corinth. They uh, had temples to false gods on virtually every corner. And they had a big one there to, I believe it was Aphrodite. And they had part of, uh, of that worship was uh, she was the goddess of fertility, among other things. And so sex was part of the worship at the temple. They had in town over a thousand shrine prostitutes right there in town. And so their mentality, you've got to remember, there hasn't been a Christian church there very long. Nobody was a Christian there until recently. And so their mentality, the mentality of the world was being intermingled with the church. And this is what you always got to watch out for. How many remember Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And whatever is in the world tends to get into the church. It's a tendency. And you got to be strong to resist it and and, and to keep it out. But their, their thinking was the body was made for sex. It's no big deal. It's just sex. And they were having sex on every corner with the temple prostitutes. And, and, and they had a similar idea to eating. So there was a lot of uh, drinking and eating too much and sex everywhere. And so their saying was, though, everything's permissible, though, right? Everything's allowable. Y'all are quiet. Are we reading the Bible? The Bible deals with where it's at. And, and you'll find that this church at Corinth will remind you a lot of some other folks. <laughs> this is New Testament. And so... It, uh, Go, let me read the rest of it. He said, the body is not made for fornication or sexual immorality. The body is made for the Lord. Sit out loud. My body, my body is not just made, not just made for, eating for eating and sex. sex. It's, made it's made for the Lord. My body was made for the Lord. That's its purpose for existence. 
That's why you have a body. And the Lord is for your body. Not just your spirit. Your body. Say it out loud. My body body is for the Lord. Lord. And the Lord Lord is for my body. And the more you commit your body to his service and use, the more right he has to keep your body. To keep it. Keep it. Heal it. Restore it. Sustain it. Strengthen it. Keep going, verse 14. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead. Talking about his body. And... He'll raise us also. How many believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? His body was raised from the dead. You're not a Christian if you don't believe that. But if you believe that, you should believe the rest of the story. That if God raised his body, he's raising mine. Huh? Is this good news or is this good news? He raised Jesus' body and he also will raise mine. Verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Not just your spirit, but your body too. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute? Because remember, they had them on every corner. They had a thousand of them right there in town. And people were doing it. The church was doing it. He said, shall I do that? No. King James says, God forbid, no. Are there things that are not okay? That was weak. Is there right and wrong? Is there good and bad? There is. Verse 16. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it said the two will become one flesh. Keep going. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Keep going. Flee from sexual immorality. All of the sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Now, it's not the unforgivable sin. It's not that you can't be forgiven. But you got to decide at some point, am I going to keep doing this or not? What's right? He's not telling them that they're lost. But he's helping them to see... That this mantra of all things are allowable. All things, he he said, "Mm, well, okay. (laughs) But not everything is profitable. Not everything is beneficial. And don't be brought under the control of anything. So just doing everything and anything is not okay. Keep going, verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? And that's where we got our title for the series. Your body, my body, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Not this building. Not a building. Not a cathedral. Not an auditorium. Thank God for them. We need a place to come meet. But this is not the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is. And yours is. He said, who you... uh, who is in you, the Holy Spirit's in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. Now see, how many times have we heard people say, it's my body? Huh? It's my body, so it's my business what I do with my body. Well, then you must not be a Christian. Hmm? Because if you're a Christian, your body's not your own. Right? Right? And if you're not a Christian, well, yeah, you do whatever you want to with your body. But if you're a Christian, you and I need to understand this. Amen. Say it out loud. My body, my body is, not my is not my own. It's been bought with a price. It's been bought with a price. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God or glorify God with your bodies. With your bodies. See, this whole thing is about your body, right? Body, body, body. Now, I mentioned in the beginning of this series, and I want to say it again, because if you don't get these things 
a lot of this other will just pass by you. We begin by saying, number one, in fact, I'll give you three T's about your body. Letter T. Uh, Number one, thankful. Thankful. We talked about this, but let me review just a little bit. You, You must be thankful for your body. There's a lot of people, including church-going people, they despise their body. They hate their body. And that's not going to work. All that's going to do is make it worse for you. Now, I get it. Maybe you're not happy with the condition, the condition of your body. But that's changeable. I said, that's changeable. But if you didn't have a body, you can't stay here. Right? If your body quits... This life, you're done. And so you and I, you and I are where it's happening. We're on the cutting edge. Right? We are the generation of the church that is alive on the earth now. It's us. It's our time. And you don't get to do this without a body. Nobody. No earth life. Right? And so you're not going to finish your course. You're not going to complete your race without your body. And you got to stay in your body. And your body's got to work well enough, long enough to finish your whole race. And it starts right here. What's the first T? First T? Thankful. Everybody said out loud, I am thankful for my body. Tell the Lord. Tell him the one that gave it to you. Say, thank you, Lord. I have a body. I appreciate my body. I'm thankful for my body. You know, the psalmist said that we, he said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Our bodies are astounding. They are amazing. I was reading the other day, the best camera that they have been able to make won't even do half of what your eye will do. You can see a single flame of a candle two miles away. And then you can focus on stuff right up here. You can discern variants and colors. The, your taste buds have an astounding array of what they can distinguish and discern. The, the amount of blood that your heart moves through your body every day. I mean, on and on and on. Your bones are stronger than steel. Pound for pound. Stronger than than high tensile steel. Astounding what God has made. So don't you be bad mouthing it. You never created a body. Right? And how many bodies you got? First T is thankful. I'm thankful for my body. You want to start exercising this every day. Right? Thankful. And anything that's not right with it, that's not God's plan. That's not God's will. That's the curse. That's other stuff that's going on. And if we hadn't managed it as well as we should have, well, we're still alive. There's still some time. Right? And the second thing is talk. How you talk about your body. Stop making fun of it. Stop with the jokes. Huh? Stop with the fat jokes, the skinny jokes, the the short jokes, the whatever. That's not being thankful. Use your words to help yourself. Is that right? Call your body strong. Your words make huge difference. Talk. How you talk about it. Talk well about your body and the third one is treat how you treat it it shows if you value it or if you don't you know if you're abusing it with a bunch of drugs and alcohol and you're destroying parts and you know that you are well then you're not valuing it huh you're not treating it right you don't value it you, you see how much you value something by how you treat it. You might say, well, I, I'm in bondage. Good news. God can deliver you. 
Hallelujah. He can. He can. And he will. But you got to, again, you got to give him something to work with. You got to quit saying, I can't, and there's no way, and I'm helpless, and I'm weak. You got to, you got to quit saying all this stuff. Say it out loud. Thankful. Thankful. Talk good. good. Treat it well. well. Amen. Amen. These are things nobody else can do for you. And it will, it will set your course, your, your body, uh, what's the word, trajectory, uh, on a different course. And, and, and everything doesn't happen overnight or in a week. If you've got issues, you know, they probably didn't happen overnight or in a year or two. But just getting, just being thankful and just starting talking right, it will, it'll start changing even things in your body on an atomic cellular level. Because God created everything with his words. And so it shouldn't be a thing thought astonishing that word-created things would respond to faith-filled words. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Well, go with me to the fifth chapter, and let's continue along this line. How many know that the fifth chapter is what came before chapter 6? That's what we were just reading. And in chapter 5, we'll actually go to, go to chapter 4 and verse 18. 418, he said, now some of you are puffed up as though I would not come to you. Now you'll find he uses that phrase, I don't know, another four or five times in this book about them being puffed up. Now... Uh, I don't know when the last time you used that phrase in a sentence about somebody, but it wouldn't have been a compliment, right? And we'd probably say proud, proud. But puffed up means inflated. Uh, we might say big head or, you know, and, and you'll find that, um, hold your place there and go over to the eighth chapter. Eighth chapter, verse 1. As touching things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. 8 1. Knowledge does what? Puffs up. But love builds up or edifies. And if any man think he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know it. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. Now, this, you'll see. The phrase, all things are lawful for us, was part of their being puffed up. It was part of them thinking they had superior knowledge. Now go back to chapter 4. Chapter 4, he said, uh, some of you are puffed up as though I'm not coming. But I will come to you shortly, and, and if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them that are puffed up, but the power. There were some folks that had gotten too big for the britches over there. And they got to thinking they knew so much. And he said, the kingdom of God's not not in word, not just in talk, but in power. What will you? Shall I come to you with a rod? are in love and in the spirit of meekness. Now, this wasn't written in chapter and verse, so the very next verse, he gets real strong correcting them. He said, it's reported commonly that there's fornication among you, and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. It was actually against Roman law to marry your stepmother. And so even among the idol-worshiping heathen, they didn't do that. And yet, it had happened at the church at Corinth. And, uh, and like we, we got into last week, if you read the second chapter, uh, there's indication that his father is still alive and in the church. And so, I reckon that 
His father was married to this woman. This was not this man's mother. But then uh, this, this son got involved with his stepmother. And I guess they, they're either married or living together in the church. And his dad's still in the church. And, but here's the bigger problem. He said, uh, verse, verse 2, and you are what? Puffed up about it and have not rather mourned. So we know the puffed up is the opposite of thinking it's bad and being embarrassed about it. So what were they? Of what? Proud of this? Y'all are quiet again. Is this New Testament? Do we need to know this? Yes, Yes, we do. You puffed up, he said. And have not rather mourned that he that have done this deed might be taken away from among you. Now, uh, go with me to the book of uh, Jude. Just one chapter there in Jude. Everybody okay? Jude and and verse 3, just one chapter. Jude 1, 3. He said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write to you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write to you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Why? You know, the enemy's a thief. He's always trying to rob you. Rob you of truth. Rob you of light. Rob you of revelation and understanding. Rob you of faith. Verse 4. There are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice, he didn't say in the last days that uh, there'd be a perversion of faith and we'd have to fight for grace. Is everybody listening? What did he say? There'd be a distortion, a perversion of grace, and we'd have to fight for faith, to keep faith. Earnestly contend is a strong phrase. It's like fight with everything you've got. For what? For faith. For the faith. Because... Ungodly people, he said, have come in and they've turned the grace of our Lord into lasciviousness. Why, how could the church at Corinth be proud that they've got uh, a son that's married his stepmother in the church? How could you be proud of that? Because they think they have superior revelation of grace. Is everybody listening? Why? See, their revelation of grace is that all things... Is that right? We're not under the law. Right? We're not under the law. And all things are allowable, all things are permissible. And see, their, their emphasis was, it's just the body. No. It's just the body, and the body was made to eat and have sex. Right. It's no big deal. Right. And see, like we talked about last time, we, we went back to Leviticus 18. And we read, I mean, that whole chapter, he talked about, there's a specific verse that says that you were not to be involved physically with your stepmother. And it goes, it goes through numerous situations where basically he's saying it's not permitted. 
Right? But they're saying, yeah, but under grace, it's all permitted. <laughs> Are y'all awake? Hmm? So what, well, what's true? Truth is true. And you've got to distinguish it from the other stuff. Now, one thing that has been a giant mistake in the modern church is disrespecting what we call the Old Testament. It is a giant mistake. Old Testament, New Testament are names that men gave to the grouping of the books. And there is the Old Covenant described in the writings of what we call the Old Testament. But that's not all that's there. There are multiple covenants in these books. And it's not just all about covenant. It's about creation and faith. It's about the Psalms and the prophets. It's, it's about so many things. But all of it is the eternal, unchanging Word of God. And if you look narrowly at the Old Testament, you say, yeah, but now, you know, that, that's Old Testament. That's not for our, us nowadays. You just told a lie. You just told a lie. Jesus said, and in fact, go to Matthew 5. Let's look at it. Said out loud while you're turning, I will respect the Word of God. All the Word of God. Thank you, Lord. I believe we're making progress. Matthew 5 and 16. Matthew 5, 16. Well, look, before we read this, in, in almost all of the references in the New Testament to what is called the Scriptures and the Word of God is referring to what we call the Old Testament. Right. That's right. And they are not referred to in the past tense. It's referred to as the Word of God. In Matthew uh, 5, 16, he said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Verse 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to what? Fulfill. Not to do away with, but to fulfill. If something in what we call the Old Testament is not fulfilled in Christ, it stands as it's written. And it's still true. And it's still right. The reason we don't continue to offer animal blood sacrifices is because it's been fulfilled. Right? In Christ. His sacrifice has paid the price, has done it all. And the reason that we don't stone people or kill them when they violate something that the law said is because Jesus took our place on the cross. He took the punishment. Come on, can you see that? It, it was, it's fulfilled. But it doesn't change the fact that what God said was right then, it's right now, it'll always be right. And it's a trick of the enemy to say, well, ah, that's all Old Testament. That, none of that applies to... No, it's all still true. It's all still right. And if not fulfilled, it's applicable to you today. Now, he goes on to say, verse 18, Verily I say to you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or tittle shall in any wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Have everything in the prophets been fulfilled yet? No. 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 
He said, verse 19, whoever will break one of the least of these commandments and teach men so, he will be called the least in the kingdom of God. There's a lot of folks that's going to wind up with that because they despise the Old Testament. They talk about, oh, that's nothing, that's passed away, that don't apply to us. Who but whoever will do and teach them, the same will be called great in the kingdom of God. That's what I want to do. How about you? I want to stand up for the word of God. Now, let's go back to this situation. This this church at Corinth, are they a part of the same church we're a part of? Same age? Same church age? Same age of grace? Church? Yeah. Yeah. This is after Jesus being raised from the dead. This is after the day of Pentecost. And uh, this, this man that got involved, and I guess maybe even married, his stepmother, and they're in the church there. And the church is not bothered by it. They're puffed up about it. Because they believe their revelation of grace allows that. Which means... You no longer pay attention to the Word of God. Because it was very clear in the Word of God, we read in Leviticus 18 and other places, that you, you're not to be involved with any close kin folks. Or, and the, the list goes on and on. If you didn't read it, go back and read it if you weren't with us. Leviticus 18, the whole chapter lists who you're not supposed to be involved with. And stepmother was one of them. But, can you see what's happened? They bring in other elements. How did they decide, well, we don't need to pay any attention to the Word? Because now we're not under the law. We're under grace. And under grace, all things are allowable, are permissible. And then... This, this man and his stepmother got to spending time with each other, realized how much they liked each other, fell in love, realized they're soulmates. Now you're laughing, but how do you justify this? And look, look, this, I'm not mocking and making fun because people's souls get intertangled. And it is it's heartbreaking. But the thing is, they never should have gotten close to begin with. Is that right? If they had never gotten close, they'd have never wound up together, much less physical. And so any heartbreak that they experience having to separate later is entirely their own fault. Because as a believer... Your heart would have been bothering you about this. Hmm? From the very first. Having lunch with your stepmother. And doing too much talking. Huh? Your heart would have been bothering you. Her heart would have been bothering her. But if you keep overriding it. And keep overriding it. And keep overriding it. Which is why Paul said in that fifth chapter that he was going to turn this guy over to the enemy for the destruction of the flesh. Now that's something that just sounds bizarre to us today. But why? Obviously he and I guess perhaps she are in danger of winding up lost. What do you mean? Well when you start Calling and rejecting the Word of God, where do you stop? Huh? Where do you stop? And, and you'll see that today. They're, they're, it's just a common thing for people to tell you that the Old Testament, all of it, really has nothing to do with you as a believer. That is a giant mistake. And more recently, you'll hear people, people that emphasize grace, saying, well, the Gospels are not to us. Are you kidding me? And you and you have people that are saying, well, Jesus was ministering under the law to the Jews, and so that's that's not exactly for so they're telling you the words of Jesus are not exact 
And, and, and I've heard people say passages like Hebrews and, and 1 John and parts of this and that. That's what I'm saying. Where does it end? Where do, can you see the trick of the devil? You start, you start saying one part, well, that's not for me. Next thing you know, there's other parts not for you either. And, and what, what does this wind up? You can do anything you want. No matter what the word says about it. Because it no longer applies to you. Lies, 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 lies. No. The word is right. The Ten Commandments are right. They're beautiful. They're righteous. They're fair. They're holy. They're good. Somebody says, well, yeah, but I don't, I don't have to keep the Ten Commandments. You don't have to keep the Ten Commandments to be righteous and to be saved. And trying to keep the Ten Commandments won't save you. But if you're led by the Spirit, guess what? You will keep the commandments. Come on here with me or not? Go with me to Romans, the second chapter. Let me prove it to you. <laughs> We're making progress, church. We're moving on. Man, there's a lot of answers here. There's so many answers here. Romans, the, uh, the second chapter. I had too many notes today. Romans 2 and 12. He said, for as many as have sinned without the law. Now, if you want to get revelation on what we're talking about, read Romans. Especially the first eight chapters. Because, man, he, he goes into it in detail. And, for instance, the next chapter, Romans chapter 3, he says, do we uh, get rid of the law by, because of faith? He said, God forbid. We establish the law. Now that's not, you don't hear that often today, preacher. We established the law. He said the law is good and right and holy. The law was never the problem. It was that people didn't keep it. But now, keep, keep reading this. He said, uh, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their consciences, their conscience rather, also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. He's saying... People, Gentiles, who never heard the law, who never been to synagogue in their life, will get saved. And because the Spirit of God is in them, they have, even though they couldn't quote to you one of the Ten Commandments maybe to save their life, they wind up knowing the essence of the law, of what is right. Why? Because the Spirit that gave utterance to the law lives in them. The author of the book lives in you. Well, he hadn't changed one bit since he gave those things to Moses. Or the prophets. God didn't change, ever. He doesn't need to. You've heard people say, well, you've well, you got to keep up with the times. <laughs> uh-uh. Not where the word's concerned. It's above it. It's perfected when he said it. said, duh. Uh, Verse 15, let me read this to you from the Amplified. Verse 14, Amplified. When Gentiles who have not the law do instinctively what the law requires, they're a law to themselves since they do not have the law. They show that the essential requirements of the law are written in their hearts and are operating there with which their consciences bear witness and their decisions accuse or defend or excuse. 
We have reason to think that this man that married his stepmother, that one or both of them had been born again and are in the church. Now, if that's the case, there's no way their conscience didn't bother them when they pursued this relationship. But the problem is, you keep ignoring your conscience, ignoring your conscience, you wind up with what Timothy calls a seared conscience. You get to where your heart doesn't bother you about it anymore. And what they're hearing from most of the church is, no, no, we're not under the law. You don't need to pay any attention to Leviticus and all that, you know. Uh, we're free. And the body is made for eating and sex and, and what have And he said, no. Paul said, no. 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 He said, you need to put this guy out. Is that what he said or not? Have you read the chapter? He said, you need to put him out. He said, because I'm paraphrasing a little bit now. He said, if you don't, it's going to be like yeast. It'll work through the whole group. Next thing you know, there'll be more and more bizarre things. Why? People getting away from God. God and his word are one. Is that right? If you don't respect his word, you don't respect him. Is it true or not? If you reject his word, you're rejecting him. If you despise his word, you despise him. He has never changed. He doesn't need to. He will never change. Everybody said out loud, his word is right. His word is true. Everywhere. In every time. For everybody. Forever. Didn't the Lord say heaven and earth would pass away? But not his words. Not his words. Not his words. So conscience, their conscience was bothering them. When they're lingering too much with each other in the early stages of this uh, relationship and they knew they shouldn't have been alone together. They knew they shouldn't be talking about the things that they're talking about. And then they decide, you know, maybe she's upset because his dad is not treating her exactly right. So he needs to give her a hug. You know, a long, close hug. Now you're laughing. But this is how these things progress. And then people decide, yeah, but we're in love. And yeah, but we're, yeah, but you never should have spent any time together. It should have been clear from the beginning, wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah, but what if? No what if. God said, so that's it. Now see, if we, if we don't have this as our standard and as our foundation, what is your standard? Well, just whatever you or anybody else thinks, they decide is okay. You have no standard. There is truth. There is absolute, eternal Unchanging truth. And you got the book. Is that right? Go to Galatians. In closing, I think, chapter 5. Galatians 5. People have disrespected and despised the Old Testament. And acted like none of it applies to us anymore. And not realize that God never changed what he said. He just gave us a way of walking spiritually instead of mechanically keeping a law which all men had failed to do. In Galatians 5, verse 16, notice this. This says a similar thing to what we read in Romans 2. How many can see... That if we'd listen to our conscience, the spirit inside, even if you knew nothing about the Old Testament, you'd wind up doing things that were described right and wrong there. And then later on when you found it out, you'd go, oh, well, that's what the Lord led me to do. It was in there all the time. He said, I say then walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So 
then this man and his stepmother are not walking in the spirit. Even if they had been born again. I heard somebody say some years ago, they said, did you hear such and such preacher? He uh, ran off with the piano player and the building fund. And you know, and he was spirit filled. I said, not that day he wasn't. (laughs) Right? Not that day he wasn't. (laughs) Because if you walk in the spirit, huh? You won't run off with the piano player and the building fund. (laughs) Verse 17. Because the flesh lusts against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. Now this is not talking about somebody else from some other time. This is Galatians. This is New Testament. This is talking about you and me. Now. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So all things are allowable? No, you must not just do any and everything your flesh wants to do. Keep going. But, now here's the the verse that kind of sums it up in my mind. If you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. So what what if you're not led by the Spirit? Well, your life would be a whole lot better if you try to keep the law. You'd at least have something in you about right and wrong. But men and women have failed to keep the law. But if you're led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to do the right things that are in the law without you even knowing it. And He's going to show you how you can apply it where you are right now. And the light is progressive. And even if you come short of it, if you keep praying and walking with Him, He'll show you more. You'll get, you'll get better. You'll walk uh, more free from the problems. Keep, keep reading. The works of the flesh are manifest. And this is the things he's saying. If you'll walk in the spirit, you won't walk in this. You won't, you won't live like this. Adultery, well, that's one of them that's mentioned in the commandments. Right? And lasciviousness That's the one that we saw in Jude that people have turned grace into lasciviousness. That word literally means lack of control or lack of restraint. The true message of grace is not anything goes. Lack of control. You don't have to control yourself. You don't have to restrain yourself. That's not so. If you walk in the Spirit... If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. But you will be doing the same right things that have always been there. Again, this is not about condemning anybody. This is not about trying to live in the past and condemnation and shame. But do we have clear, solid right and wrong in the book? Is it still right today? Is every bit of it still right today? Yes. 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 And if we're led by the Spirit, we'll wind up doing the things that have been in there all along. Stand on your feet, everybody.